Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. This is the Horror Shots Podcast. You are a liar. I am no more a witch than you are a wizard. And if you take my life away... God will give you blood to drink. Sarah Good. Hello again, and welcome back to part two of the Salem Witch Trials. This is the Horror Shots podcast, and my name is Casey. I did mention last week that the Witch Trials would be separated into two parts, maybe three. We'll see. And I did keep my word on part two anyway, so here it is. But before that, of course, there are some other things to talk about first. First of which, I can't thank you enough, again, as always, for listening. I know I say that every cast, but I truly mean it. Secondly, don't forget to check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash horrorshots. If you decide to pledge, you'll not only get my eternal thanks, but you'll also get access to some pretty cool patron-only stuff, including access to parts of my website that have never before been seen by the public. That includes private pictures mostly, only only pictures. But they're pretty cool and spooky and sexy all at the same time. Anyway, enough of the housekeeping. Let's get on to the cast at hand. Today we'll be going into more detail about the three originally accused women of witchcraft, who they were as people, why they were accused, and what became of them during the trials. We'll start things off with Sarah Good. As mentioned in the last cast, she was a beggar, often spending nights in the homes of families kind enough to take her in. She was an outcast in society in more ways than just being a beggar woman. She wasn't seen as pure. She was living a dirty life, not the Puritan lifestyle. And so she was an easy target. But of course, there's more to the story, isn't there? There always is. Sarah Good was born in 1653 to a well-off innkeeper called John Solart. Unfortunately, the family's success didn't translate well for Sarah, who was left with nothing after her father's business was wrangled into a mess of litigation. Good was married on several occasions, with it never really working out in the long run. Her first husband, Daniel Poole, was a poor servant who died in debt, which she inherited. Her second husband was a fella named William Good. Now, whether it was known to him or not, he took on the debt of Sarah's first husband, forcing them into homelessness. They would rent rooms and other families' homes and live day-to-day with no real plan in place, despite them having two young children. Furthermore, William worked as a laborer for food and lodging. However, it was becoming more and more of a strain, especially since Sarah began to develop a reputation for being unkind, to put it nicely. This eventually led to the goods becoming known as a pain in the ass in the town, and by the fateful year of 1692, they were beggars on the street. On February 29th, 1692, a warrant for her arrest was issued along with two others, the slave Tituba and another woman in town called Sarah Osborne. As the story goes, the three were accused of afflicting Betty Paris and Abigail Williams. And of course, later many others came forward saying they had been affected by the three in some way as well. Sarah Good is important for a number of reasons, but mainly because she was the first to testify in the trials. It seems that poor Sarah Good had everything going against her. Bernard Rosenthal wrote in A Salem Story that 
Good was targeted to start the proceedings due to the fact that most of the town wanted to be rid of her anyway. Seemed to me like they made up the whole witch thing just to get rid of people they didn't like. Hmm. In time, Sarah's family began to turn against her. The four-year-old Dorothy Good, Sarah's daughter, was called in to testify against her, and her own husband claimed that although he didn't believe her to be a witch, she was dangerously close to becoming one. It's entirely possible that he did this to save his own skin and avoid being accused of witchcraft himself. In fact, at one of her trials, he went on record to say, It was her bad carriage to me, and indeed, I say with tears that she is an enemy to all good. I don't know about you, but if I said that about my wife, I'd be sleeping on the couch until the divorce was finalized. Just saying, it's pretty brutal. Despite the claims against her, Good stood firm and adamantly denied the magistrate John Hawthorne's accusations against her. One standout quote from the pre-trial is when the magistrate asked her why she harmed these children. She responded with, I do not harm them. I scorn it. I am falsely accused. The latter she repeated several times. Here's where things get a little gossip girly. Although Good never confessed the crime of witchcraft, she did accuse Sarah Osborne, presumably in an attempt to save her own skin. It has been observed by many historians that this accusation mixed with the courtroom drama of the afflicted acting out was one of the strongest cases for witchcraft in the entirety of the trial. During the whole ordeal, one person, a single, solitary person, came forward to defend Good. One of the strongest pieces of evidence was that a girl claimed to have been stabbed by Good. She even produced the broken tip of the knife that she was stabbed with. However, a man in the courtroom stood up and produced the knife which the tip belonged to. He said that the knife had been broken in front of the girl who is accusing Sarah Good. But it made little difference. The judge told the girl to stick to the facts and allowed it into evidence. Ultimately, in an unfair trial, Good was sentenced to hang. Her original hanging date was said to have been postponed so that she could give birth, obviously being pregnant at the time. She did indeed give birth in jail, but the infant died before the next execution date of July 19th, 1692. Her daughter Dorothy, remember the four-year-old, spent around seven months in jail and was really never the same again, as to be expected. The legend goes that as Good stood at the gallows, a local reverend by the name of Nicholas Noyes offered a confession in order to save her mortal soul. Good, being the stubborn woman she was, even facing down death, refused. Instead, she screamed out, You are a liar. I am no more a witch than you are a wizard. If you take my life away, God will give you blood to drink. You may remember that quote from the opening. I like it. It's believed that it was this stubbornness is what led to her demise in the end, rather than all the accusations against her. I suppose it was typical of the time. Women with a strong mind were so uncommon that they were feared. A true shame. Now that brings us to the second Sarah in the tale of two Sarahs and a slave, also known as the Salem Witch Trials. Sarah Osborne was born in Massachusetts in 1643 and was the second woman accused of witchcraft during the trials. A little bit of an important backstory here. Osborne married Robert Prince, the owner of a 150-acre farm, which at the time made the couple quite powerful and respected. The farm, however, was located next to John Putnam's land, and if you remember from last week, the Putnams played quite a large role in the witch trials. It's also worthy to note that John and Robert were brother-in-laws, and John was the executor of Robert's will. Well, when Prince died in 1674, he left everything to his wife on the condition that the land and the inheritance would go to their two sons when they came of age. The boys James and Joseph were aged six and two at the time of his death. 
However, shortly after her husband's death, Sarah Osborne hired an indebted Irishman by the name of Alexander Osborne. She paid off his debt, and when word spread that she was living with a strange man, they married. This was probably to quell the town gossip of a woman living with a man out of wedlock, and more nefariously to circumvent her husband's will so that she could keep all of the inheritance. There was a large legal battle over the land and the will, which John Putnam defended on his brother-in-law's behalf. But the legalities ended in February of 1692 when Sarah was accused of being a witch. Again, a strong-minded woman looking after herself was accused of witchery. I'm starting to see a trend. But just who were Sarah's accusers in this case? Well, none other than the Putnam clan, along with Thomas Preston and Joseph Hutchison. They claim that Sarah had afflicted Anne Putnam Jr., Betty Paris, and Abigail Williams, and Elizabeth Hubbard, all children from around Salem. Unlike the other two accused at the time, Sarah Good and Tituba, Osborne never confessed, nor did she accuse another of witchcraft. Rather, her defense was mm, unique, to say the least. Now, whether it was her intention to play off the religious nature of the town, or if she truly believed it is up for debate, but she accused the devil of the mischief. She claimed that the devil could take any form he wanted, and thus it was him who caused the afflictions. Brings the term, devil made me do it, to a whole different level. Oddly, this defense seemed to have worked, at least slightly anyway. Her trial was halted, but she was still locked up. The accused witch died in prison in May of 1692. She was 49. While she was accused and ultimately died in jail, and the fact that she didn't receive a trial is still interesting... She's a perfect example of breaking the mold, so to speak. She became an outsider who didn't do things normally. She disobeyed, or attempted to anyway, her husband's will. She tried to secure a safe and comfortable life for her and her second husband. It was no coincidence that her accusers were the Putnams. She was almost directly defying them, dragging them into court, making their lives harder than they really wanted it to be. And so came the witch allegations. That time in history was a very sad time. The last of the three we'll be looking at today is the supposed South American slave called Tituba. Tituba's history is one of mystery with no real legal documents explaining her exact origins. Historians have argued that she's either Indian, South American, or African in nature. Some believe her and a man said to be her husband named John Indian, odd name, were sold to Samuel Paris during a trip to Barbados. Her origins don't really play a great role in the trials, however, as her being foreign is enough to raise suspicion. Nevertheless, Tituba played a fairly large role in the trials, and I'll explain why in just a minute. Tituba was the main source of panic around the trials. When the victims began showing signs of affliction, many pointed at the slave as the cause, claiming that she had encountered the girls and educated them on a number of different supernatural practices, including witchcraft, devil worship, and voodoo. When Paris bought her, he was clearly unaware of the religious and supernatural practices of the region from which she hailed. Now, the reason Tituba was so important to the trials was not only did she confess to witchcraft, but she also named two other accomplices in Sarah Good and Sarah Osborne. This is exactly the information the court wanted. They didn't care if the allegations were truthful or not, they wanted names. Despite the claims against her and the others for that matter, no real evidence ever came forth, either at that time nor in the future, that she or the others actually practiced anything. 
The stories of her sharing her beliefs, which may have been voodoo in nature, or the accounts of her telling the girls how to seduce men and walk with demons may very well be exaggerated accounts. Tatuba's accounts in the court had long-lasting effects on the lives of many others. As mentioned in the last cast, more than three women were accused and killed for doing nothing more than living their lives and being disliked by some. Lives ruined on the word of a few with no empirical evidence. That was the theme of the trials. As a licensed investigator, this is simply unacceptable to me. Nobody should be thrown out, fired, convicted, or killed based on an accusation alone. In the case of the Salem witch trials, people were murdered because somebody didn't like them. Sarah Good, the strong-willed beggar, Sarah Osborne, the self-preserving woman only doing what she needed to live a comfortable life for her new family, and Tituba, a foreign slave, an easy target in a time where people feared such things. These were the victims. I can only hope history doesn't repeat itself. Obviously not with the witch thing, I think witches are perceived as pretty cool nowadays, but with any number of other things as well. Words have meaning. Today, more than ever, claims can be laid and lives ruined with just a tweet. Perspective is everything. And as the great Ricky Gervais once said, just because you're offended doesn't mean you're right. Use that and the trials of the past to help determine how to approach a situation, any situation. History teaches us a lesson. Let's not forget it. But that's enough rambling for me today. I may do three parts on this series. We will see. I got to do some more research and see if I can come up with enough information to do at least one more cast, which I'm pretty sure I can. But if I can't, then we'll get something new next week. However, I will see you next time. Thanks again for listening.